Welcome to the Kim Doyle Show, where I believe business should be fun. Creating, marketing, and mastering your craft is as much about the day-to-day as it is about the big wins and even the epic fails. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all things content marketing, digital marketing, a little bit of mindset, and how to just show up by creating an online business and income that fits your lifestyle. Hey, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Kim Doyle Show. I, of course, am your host, Kim Doyle. I always like it when I do have a guest because it makes more sense. I literally introduced myself as the host on a solo show once and uh, was like, what are you doing? So anyways, (laughs) my guest today is my dear friend and amazing designer, Picha Neri. Picha, thank you so much for being here today. It's such a pleasure to be here again, uh, Kim, and always a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak to you. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we are going to have some fun. It's it's funny too. It's like my caffeine's kicking in. It's the beginning of my day. It's the end of your day. I got You got to love talking yeah. to people all around the world. So, all right. Yeah. Before we dive in to the meat and potatoes of this episode, which is all about your design for conversion summit, which I'm crazy excited about. For my listeners who don't know you, could you just give us a little bit of background, who you are, what you do, and how you help people? Yes, I am a UX and design expert and global speaker, although global these days means really through a computer <laughs> screen, as we as we well know, unfortunately. I work with um, Cloudways as a, a so-called maverick, which really means that we create content for Cloudways to sell without selling. And I also uh, do a lot of, I do UX UX, uh, work with Cloudways. And in general, I want to help people understand that design is a means of, it's a process and it's also a selling process in a way, if you want. As, but we can go, we can go deeper into that. But anyway, I'm a UX and design nut. That's me in a in a nutshell. Okay, and for the people in the back, um, can you explain what UX is? And this is not to talk down to my audience. There's UX and there's UI, but if you could explain it, just from you know, I don't know if you've seen this picture with uh, conversion AI. They have a explain it to a child template. So could you explain that yeah. to a child? <laughs> Yeah, that is a really, really, really good point, Kim. Absolutely. So UX stands for user experience. And what people think generally is that UX, they, they think if you've never adopted a UX process in your design, in your design, in your web building agency or even marketing agency, or even if you're a solo, uh, you know, flyer, you may think that the user experience process is only for big companies and big people or big agencies with big bucks, but it's not at all. User experience is everything, every single part of the experience that people have when they interact with a product of yours. It can be a website, it can be a program, it can be a course, it can be an app. Absolutely everything goes from there. And it's basically a way of working. It's a process. And it mostly means that you build things based on what people need. You find out first what it is that people need, what problem you're solving, and then you build the thing. 
And then you test it out and you ask the people, did you like it? Did it work? Did it not work for you? And so on. So basically, you have uh, coached me, Kim, and you have told me, you need to know your audience. You need to know your audience. <laughs> so you are basically doing user experience. And that's why there's quite a bit of, quite a few content uh, related talks in, in the conference that I'm organizing. But yes, no, I don't know if that clarifies it because people think, yes, people think that it has to do with UI and it does, but UI stands for user interface and it's what lives on the surface of the experience. It's your, your user interface is the way you interact with the people that you build the thing for, that you solve, that with the people whose problem you solve. It's your way of interacting with them, but it's, it's different from UX in that sense, if that's clear. Yeah, no, no, it totally makes sense. You know what I was just thinking of is I, tell me if this, because sometimes truth, I get UX, UI, I know one is user interface, one is user experience, right? But <clears throat> it was, it was really interesting. I was reading something the other day that was saying that um, somebody was talking about mobile menus and how when they, they've shifted and they said they got such a higher, uh, I don't know if it was just a click-through rate or opening of the menus, and I'm hoping I saved the article, but where they took, you know, the hamburger menu that always sits up in the in a top corner or whatever, but they said they put the hamburger menu um, on the bottom of the screen uh, when someone landed, and they said they got such a higher engagement rate by moving the mobile menu. So would that fall under user experience? It does. I'm actually really surprised by that because familiarity is essential in when you build a user interface. I would have said that they would not get a greater engagement because usually we look for a hamburger menu on the top of the page, not the bottom. Did you say they put it at the bottom? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so extraordinary because normally it would mean that you don't get any engagement because people can't find it and they get really frustrated that would be usually when, in fact, I, I recommend familiarity. I recommend not doing creative things. But you see, that proves that we don't know anything until we've tried things out and tested them out. We don't know anything. How interesting. If you can find the article, I'd love to see it. Yeah, well, and I think here's my, my I don't know if this is just humble opinion, um, psychology, uh, armchair psychologist. But I wonder if it's, you know, if you look at this space in terms of online digital marketing and content and user experience, I mean, it's all still fairly new, right? I mean, this isn't, it just as an example, in comparison to like copywriting goes back hundreds, a hundred years, maybe, or whatever, you know what I mean? So you start looking at, and so as, te and technology moves so quickly so there, there's just value in testing. And if you think about it, right, like, do you remember when like the thing was responsive? Is, is your website responsive? Exactly. And now, right, it's, there's a much stronger push towards mobile first even, which is funny because as much as I'm on my phone, I'm just, I still prefer using my computer because my hands hate me after being on yes. my phone too long. But, um, you know, so it's, it's just something I think to the point of it's worth testing maybe you know that's it it's just a simple test and you never know you never know so anyway thank you for that explanation no. i will look for the article for you so 
Um, specifically, the reason we're talking today is because I wanted to pick your brain about your upcoming summit, which is Design for Conversion mm-hmm. Summit. And so let's kind of do the, uh, I don't know, let's lay the foundation so people know who it's for. And, and we'll, l- let's start with there. First of all, what is the Design for Conversion Summit? May I just say that Design for Conversions is a genius name that you came up with. So. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. <laughs> you d- I don't know if you even remember, but you did I because do. you were coaching me. We were doing the audience research work together. Well, I was showing you the audience research work, work because you were helping me with the copywriting and finding with the creative side of it and things that I struggled with uh, a bit. And I, it was quite funny because my immediate reaction, if you remember, was, oh, that's too salesy. And then after five <laughs> minutes, I was like, oh, my God, this name is genius. It's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what I wanted to say. And I am so happy with it because it completely encapsulates why I am doing this conference. And the reason is that I want to – so I noticed, especially working – a lot in the WordPress microcosm, but I think this applies to the web at large. The overwhelming majority of what gets built online or digitally in general, I think it's a bit different for apps, but definitely on the web, most of the things that we see there that are built for the web are not actually designed by designers. The, I would say, I mean, I'm really getting this figure out of thin air. It doesn't exist. But I I would say that, you know, if I had to guess, 80% of the web is built by non-designers, but by people who don't know what design thinking is, they've not heard of it. They probably think that design is styling and they do it, you know, a decent job of it, but it's not their background. And I want to show to these people that design is a force for good. Design will make their life much, much, much easier. It will make them convert more and it will also make them save time in a number of ways. And if we all do this, we will make the web a better place. So this is the through line that leads leads my conference. Every single speaker has been chosen thinking, how can they help my attendees my what? Sell more. How can they oh. help my atten- atten- attendees? God, uh, yeah, the people who come to the conference. How can my speaker help oh, them? Attendees. I'm sorry. Uh, attendees, yes. Sorry. No, no. I'm correcting you, girl, but I'm like, maybe I just don't have enough caffeine. So that was completely my um, welcome to kids' yeah, no. brain early in the morning. Well, on the other hand, it's set almost 7.30 in the evening where I am, and I've had the longest day, so I'm yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> as you were saying earlier. So I wasn't trusting. I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't know what I said. Maybe I said a word that doesn't exist. Anyway, so we are, for sure, always. So, yes, the criteria always was, can this uh, expert – how can how can this expert help my audience? That's a good word, Kim. Audience. How can this expert help my audience make more money, save time, find a way of creating recurring revenue, uh, finding a way of getting more clients, while sticking while showing 
a side of the design process that maybe people weren't aware of. So for this reason, I'm also, and, and also because at the same time, I think that we are making the web a better place because suddenly we're shifting the focus on what the people that use our products actually need. That's the other really important side to it. Design for conversions by putting humans at the center. So from that perspective, <coughs> excuse me, um, and, and I'm going to try to like from the pretend I'm the child <laughs> coming back yes, for the, to look at this, right? So, and, and we've talked about this a lot. Like even we were talking about when you were mentioning, you know, the copy and it not being maybe the name, something that resonated with you. But at the same time, from a user perspective and experience that we often get caught up specifically with design and what we like and what looks good. Right. And I, I think that we forget, and I think that this is the first time I've, I've run this parallel. So bear with me, but it's kind of like, you know, whether or not you might be comfortable with a certain type of copy doesn't mean it won't speak to, there's a psychological reason people take action based on specific copy, right? So there's yeah. this internal reason that people take action based on the way a site is designed or a sales page or what draws them and helps them navigate to what you're trying to get them to take action on, right? So there's kind of a parallel there. And, and, and so in a way, it's like, how do you step outside of, well, I like the way this looks to oh, but this is way better for my audience. How do you even be, approach that? What That's kind a of a big great, question, sorry. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge question. It is a huge question, and it's really quite the crux of the matter. So I can answer, for instance, by telling you that a lot of the time, so that's, that's my, my point in a way, that there is a sweet spot where it all works together. So the first thing is to not take design personally. I think that's a really important thing because that's something that I'm also fighting against a little bit. Design is not aesthetics. It just isn't. It's making things work. It's solving a problem. So what you're saying works, Kim, because you're saying, how do I make the step between uh, concentrating on what, what works for, for my audience and good design. And I'm saying it's the same. They are the same thing. They are one and the same. Good design will work for your audience. Otherwise, it, it's not good design. Is and that, so am I? Well, yeah, yeah. But, but with the good design. So, I mean, is there a starting point? Like, obviously, the summit's going to help them <laughs> with a starting point yeah. in terms of understanding this. So, I, I think... I think the big key takeaway from that statement, to be honest with you, is not to personalize it. And, you know, we get caught yeah. up in, in, but I like this. It's not this about what you way. like. No. It's not no. about preference. It's not about personal preference. And I think that once you understand this, you are, a, you are armed and able to go back to the client that says, can you make the logo bigger and say, no, actually, I can't make the logo bigger because it will, uh, you know, it could be a reason could be, because uh, in this way, it will distract the attention from this button here, which is where you want your client to be, because it's where they're going to find their solution to their problem. And also they're going to buy your product. So there's always a way of actually giving reasons for your choices that have nothing to do with personal preference. And I think it's a really great learning curve for clients as well as, as for ourselves. 
it's it's not about that. And then another thing that completely trumps preference is, for instance, accessibility, which is something that we talk about a few times in the conference. Because accessibility, you know, if you like green or red. I don't care whether you like it or I don't, I don't, I'm not expressing an opinion about it or a preference. I'm just saying do not use green or red because someone with color blindness will not, with the most common form of color blindness, won't be able to see the difference and therefore your message will be completely lost on them. So there's always a good reason. And another example of how what works for for your audience coincides with what's with the best design is actually there's a, a really interesting conversation in the conference with Joe Natoli who's a really famous UX guru you know he's the guy I learned everything from so I was like quite sort of fangirl moments when I was talking to him and he goes through and picks apart a plugin selling website um, and uh, that sells plugins uh, they're payment gateway plugins for uh, WooCommerce they're very very specific they work for certain banks so it's, it's extremely specific and Joe completely tears down the user experience so we put ourselves in the in the shoes of the user that lands on this web page to buy a plugin or to find out about the plugins, we recreate the experience together and Joe points out what works and what doesn't work. And he actually, he started just like, yeah, that's rubbish. No, that's crap. No, you shouldn't be doing this. So he's like, sorry, I don't really have the time. And, and I said that I would be doing my clients a disservice if, if I wasn't honest entirely immediately and um so the, the this is a real life plugin this is a real product so it, it's so useful the, the way that he was doing that <laughs> yes 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 this was submitted okay, i asked yeah 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 i asked my list who wanted yes i know i have been um you know i have been um pre warning the the owner of the site and he is very amenable to the idea that he was ripped apart he wasn't it's not ripping <laughs> that's the thing you can't take Double it personally personal, it? <laughs> yeah no feedback is not personal that's such an important lesson to learn it's not about you it's about what works ultimately my friend aaron bowie of uh, weareag.co.uk wants to sell more plugins and therefore, he's going to super welcome Joe's feedback because Joe, also, let's not forget that we suffer from proximity blindness, which means that when we work on something all the time, it's our baby. We don't see the flaws. We don't see the problems. We don't, we're not far away from it enough. We're too close to it. So that's also what Joe does in it. But also another thing that he says that I completely agree with that is that you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. If you've already got something, if you already have a product, if you already have a website that you sell things through, often just looking at the UI, this is where I think it, it, makes, it probably will help Kim to understand what the UX and the UI do, what they are. So the UI is, as we were saying, the interface. The user experience is everything. 
So it was us, you know, you get on the site, you uh, see what plugins are on it, you decide which one you need, you go through the sales process. The way you experience all this is your user experience. Then the emails that you get back when you buy the, the plugin, that's user experience. So even that's why content is so important because emails are content, as you teach me. The copy on the website is content. Everything, so everything feeds into the overall experience. The UX is every single point of contact. The user interface leads the experience because clearly if the user interface has copy that is too tiny and I can't read it, that's the UI leading my experience and creating an experience that doesn't work for me because I can't read it. Or if the contrast is wrong or if the button that I need is so far down below that I can't find it. That's UI. So you can already alter the experience significantly and achieve incredible results by acting on the UI. And I'll give you two examples. One is a really famous one, which is uh, this other UX guru called Jared Spool, who does lots of webinars and things about, about UX. And his case, I, I don't recall which com huge company it was for. I think it might have been eBay or something like that, someone very, very big. And it was the so-called 300 million button because there was basically a form um, that had too many passages. And just by moving a button in a sort of easier point of the interaction, increase the conversions up to 300 million. So that, that, that's, that's what UX applied to UI can do. And then I'll give you a much smaller example that the people who listen may identify with better. And I've given this example before, but it never dies for me. It's one of the best because often you, you give, you know, I've given, I've done so many UX and UI reviews, but I don't always get the feedback. People don't always come back and say, wow, I did that and I got these results because you need to measure, as you know very well. So our friend Jan Koch was organizing an online summit and he had the sales page up and he asked me to review it. And I gave him, I did a quick review and I gave him three, four pointers. Like the journey isn't, doesn't flow correctly. Move this here, align the text this way, move the button here, make sure that the copy is consistent. Don't be creative with copy. So if a button says, get free access. The next one that does the same thing should repeat, get free access. It shouldn't say, register your free ticket. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We were told, uh, I was taught at school that I should be creative and not repeat myself. When I was writing, uh -uh, it's the opposite on the web. So I gave in these few pointers and the next day, that was the evening, and the next morning, he pinged me in Slack going, I can't believe what happened overnight. I, my conversions went up by 400%. 400%. I mean, that's exactly. And, it's, and so I, I just want people to listen to this just to kind of um, hit again on the personalized thing. Just because you're attached to it, what would you rather have? More sales or an opinion? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly. More sales or exactly. opinion. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. Absolutely. That reminds of someone 
we know and love, Kim. You know, would you rather be right or be happy? That's kind <laughs> of... <laughs> yeah, oh, anyway. Amen, girl. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. Absolutely. So that is the point. And this is kind of what the whole conference is aiming at demonstrating so you mm-hmm. and you can demonstrate these points in a variety of approaches that's why i've got people talking about writing how writing is designing i've got people talking about what well, i got billy carlson from balsamic to, talking about wireframes can truly help uh, lead a, a content first approach then i've got uh, I, I've got people talking about how design thinking will help you achieve better sales because design thinking is all about solving problems for the people. There are so many ways that you can attack this point from and show it and prove it, or even the accessibility point. Because what you hear a lot about accessibility is that you're going to get sued. You know, the the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, people can sue you now and you'll be sued. Don't think what are you saying? That. This is a, a litigious country? The US? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Never. Never. You didn't just get a president, you know, that was got himself banned from all social media <laughs> platforms. Well, I love my country. Yes. That's not a dig at the US. Let, let's not just at all. Gonna go ahead and pre-qualify. We're having fun. <laughs> we are having fun. Let me just please, you know, also qualify the fact that I adore the US and I have so many friends there. I think it's a fantastic place in all of its manifestations. So um what I uh what was I saying? I don't I know, I totally saying... interrupted you, but I we were well, talking about uh, well, so yes. can I like yes, the... jump in? Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> for some people, just a couple things. So you know, one of the things that, uh, as you were talking about, like changing the buttons and stuff, I think what I want people to hear about this is that you don't have to be, you know, a web designer by any, any, anybody who produces content on a website can take massive value from this event simply because, I mean, to your point that if you're going to change, like as an example, using the button context, right. That you were talking about. I mean, first of all, like the, I, I learned this actually from uh, Jason Hornung when I did Facebook advertising with him. And he's like, you know, nobody wants to see just sign up here or whatever. I mean, sometimes that's direct yeah. in an email, click here for, but it's like, you know, yes, I want the all access pass to the event. I mean, put that on your, like reiterate the call to action and, and what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So just for people listening to remember that, you know, designing for UX doesn't mean you're a designer. It means you're t- you're looking at what you're producing and publishing to your audience in a way that creates an invaluable experience for them and moves them further down your funnel, your path, whatever you want to call it, to enter your world through a purchase, through an opt-in, and to start engaging with you. Like, I'm kind of dumbing that down there, but there's two things I wanted to ask you about. And one is just a super curious opinion. Um, and that is, what are your thoughts with, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to botch what it's called, but you know, with the whole uh, dark and light scheme, like a lot of people are using black mm-hmm. backgrounds and white text and 
I don't know, maybe it's my age, but sometimes I'm like, oh my God, this hurts my eyes to read it. And other times I'm like, ooh, I'm kind of liking this. I don't know if it's something different, but is there a, a usability issue there for people? Because, and and this is also not a dig, I see a lot of men doing that, to be honest with you, way more so than women. <laughs> I love it. So yes, that's a really good question. So yes, there is an accessibility issue because- even when you have checked on contrastchecker.com, that which is something you should always do, that your background and, and foreground don't clash and that they have enough contrast and so on at all uh, font sizes, etc. It's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's gonna find it amenable because, for instance, I have really weird eye stuff that means that to me, very dark, uh, white on on very dark, is painful. And it didn't used to be like that. It is age because I remember exactly, Kim, about twelve years ago, my I had a boss who was ten years older than me, and uh, and I was loving the black um, background and white copy. And actually this was worse because it was printed. And um, and she was like, I can't read, you can't do this. And I was like, you are ruining my design. <laughs> <laughs> so how we change. So yes, there is an issue there. So you should always, I think, I feel, especially reading, especially reading long form copy. If it's short form, that's great. But long form copy can be really difficult to read for some people on a very dark background. So again, if you want to do that, I think that there is the technology there now to give people the option to change the background, I think. I mean, I'm not a tech expert in this sense, so I don't know. But even, I'll give you an example on Twitter. When I see people that post their screenshots and yeah. their screenshots <laughs> of, of, a, of a tweet, you know, taken in a dark mode app, and I'm like, I can't, I can't read this. I can't believe that your Twitter looks like this. And I mean, my very good friend, <laughs> Lee Jackson has everything on dark background. When he posts screenshots, I'm like, your life is terrible. Is this what you see all day long? (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, you should be careful. And that is, again, definitely personal. That is about personal taste that you like. I mean, I have to say that in general, if you want to be on the safe side, good old, uh, you know, almost black on almost white is the safest, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do that because I don't do that, but I really check and extra check. And sometimes I have to make painful aesthetic choices, really painful because I used to be a purely creative, you know, image maker and therefore all about aesthetics and all about my aesthetics. So, so it is painful sometimes to make those decisions, but I make them because I want my things, my products, my websites, my whatever to be usable by everyone. And I am by no means saying that I am doing things right all the time because it's a process. I mean, if I, even the website for the conference, oh my God, during this conversation, I just wish I could go back to it and change this, that, the other. I just, you know, it's, it's, um, never, I'm not perfect, but I am at all times doing my level best so that everybody can understand my message and be helped by it. Because otherwise, why are you doing it? So you're taking a risk when you're doing something that's quite drastic visually. You are taking a risk and you're running the risk that there will be people who you you will lose along the way. 
First of all, I don't know anybody that's ever done something and not been like, okay, now that it's all done, I think I want to do something different. Or <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I'm yeah. like, <clears throat> you know, you just go through it. I'm, I'm ready to redo my site again and all that. Um, you know, it's interesting yeah. with the, 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 the dark background is it's funny is Kyle with the admin bar. Like I actually like his yes. emails, but, but, and it's funny. He does that a lot, but I think yeah. maybe it's the font choices and the font size to me his stuff is readable. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because his accent color is a yellow, his stuff, but some doesn't bother me. I, I, I'm i like, oh, this looks kind of good. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would ever do it personally, but you know, it's, it totally works for him and his brand, but it does, it's more, it's way more accessible and consumable to me. And I think yeah. it's also because of the formatting and from a content perspective where you were talking about, um, UX, you know, it's, it's kind of why I get nutty with formatting. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to read like I'm reading a book on the web. I, I need, please, I don't care if you think it's grammatically correct, but break up your sentences, give me a little more space, put an image in there, change, do a heading tag, like mix it up a little bit so that the format, even from a, you know, readability standpoint is easier to consume the content. So there you go. What you're saying now, you are saying that writing is designing. That's what you're saying, which is the title of a book authored by two of the uh, speakers in, in the conference. That's what you're saying. And I could not agree more. And I mean, I think that sometimes even with, you know, posts on Facebook or, in, or LinkedIn, I just go, I can't read this. There's, I can't. It's just one big comment a mile long and you haven't yeah. any line breaks in there. But I agree with um, Kyle, but he's a really good designer. But I know that you uh, you had that in mind. I was sure you had that in mind because he did it recently did that big rebrand. And yes, I, but I also, I want to say here that because I remembered what uh, I was about to say earlier and it's about accessibility. So because that's what you're saying, uh, Kim, when you say sometimes I have issues with dark backgrounds, that's, it's something that is not accessible to you and therefore it's not usable by you or less usable, less of a good experience. You're having an experience that is not the best for you. So what I want to say about accessibility is that, guys, you're leaving money on the table. If you're not making sure that your sites are accessible, you're leaving money on the table. That's my main point. And actually, is my conference website completely accessible? I have, I have done my best with it because I have started from good practices. And if you adopt good design practices, you are basically half the way there, if not actually a good 75 or 80% of the way there just by by using good design practices. And I don't know if you know, but the so-called purple pound, which would be the purple dollar, I guess, is a huge volume of business. That means it's the money moved by people with some form of disability that use the web. And do not misunderstand this by thinking, oh, I'll never be disabled or I'm not disabled, so it doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does, because... When you are, for instance, I'll give you an example of a temporary disability that we all experience. You're on uh, public transport and you don't have your uh, headphones and you want to watch a video. You can't watch that video because it doesn't have captions and you can't, you wouldn't hear it if it's noisy, but also you, if you're polite, you don't want to bother everyone with it. I don't think that message has gotten out to the, the mass public. 
Well, exactly. So that I know they shouldn't. But <laughs> however, sometimes let's say that you're rude, you're totally rude and you don't care and you put the volume up to the max. But mm-hmm. you can't hear it. If it's a really, if you're on the, I don't know what the, you know, subway is like, but, you know, in, in, I mean, I do know. I mean, usually if you're, for instance, on a, on a subway or underground train, it's so noisy. There is no way, even if it's an empty carriage, you can't hear if you don't have headphones. So you are temporarily disabled and you need captions. And that's something, I mean, in, in, in 2021, there is no excuse left to not have captions in the videos that you put out even if it's a linkedin video i don't care and i mean facebook now has a live captioning there's you know anybody (coughs) excuse me i'm sorry picha and i think it's simple because a lot of people will say even with the captions it says captions are auto-generated so that way you're telling your audience and I don't think this is a big deal when it's free content and maybe it's a live or whatever i mean if someone's paying for it then i think you should make sure that the captions are grammatically correct and spelling and stuff, but it helps people to, cause you're absolutely right. You know, it's just, I love, you know, it's, <laughs> I think this is a testament to my age. I've gotten in the habit of leaving captions on when I watch TV. Even. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Oh my God. I kid. know. You know, but, but, but truly Me I too. think it's those, those little things. And, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, well, it's funny. Kyle wasn't the one I was thinking about in terms of, not liking it i actually i his is the one that i'm like no no i love it is, yeah 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 i love really it good. and i feel the same way even when i get to a site i'm like and, and again my monitor's 27 inches so i get that that's big but if i go to a website and i'm like is this a 12 point font like what are you doing to me here yeah. <laughs> like and i know that's an age thing also but i think it's it's today it's too easy to make things to to increase uh, the, the user experience, simple little things like that. And so, you know, um, so the design for conversion summit is a great way for people almost to get like, to your point, the review that that one speaker did at the plugin website, it's like, just watch what these people are telling you to pay attention to. And, you know, I mean, you can attend for free or I would get the all access pass so that if you don't have time to like do your own reviews all the time to jump in, but you know, so yeah. to understand, because I think where we're coming from, and then I have another question for you about um, ugly design, but is mm-hmm. I think another piece of this is it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so this is a really simple starting point to Increase conversions by making subtle, small changes. Again, you don't need to go do a whole rebrand, but try something to, to your point. Change the language on a button and keep the button consistent. You know, change the specific colors we were talking about with the red and green or whatnot. Um, so that was just my little pitch for reminding people how mm-hmm. valuable this event's going to be, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur, a content creator, a website designer. It doesn't matter. There, You yeah. want your website to convert sales, to convert leads. That's the point. I mean, I think we're way past the day of anybody even having a brochure site. Like, unless you literally don't care and has not, and you're literally doing it for almost like a, you know, a Google listing just for location and whatnot. But I don't think after last year, anybody thinks that's okay anymore. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So here, here's a little question for you. I don't know why I got squeaky there. Sorry. <laughs> but... <laughs> Here's a question. And this was actually someone, um, I was talking to somebody that I was going to be interviewing you and it came from somebody else. And 
Why is it, and this is very interesting, do you think there are also not poly, and this is probably, bear with me, I will get my my question on here, coming from the place of a sales page versus a website. So side note, you can have ugly sales pages that can convert better than good looking sales pages. And, and why do you think that is? Okay, so I have a thing with the ugly sales pages. The ugly sales pages often are not accessible. And what people don't know is that how do they know that if they made them accessible, they wouldn't be selling more? I want those, I want that, that, I want that data. I want to see the difference. And in fact, I actually once suggested to Michael Killen that we do, do that test. And then we, and he was all for it because I was telling you, mate, your sales pages are terrible. <laughs> They're basically not designed. And he was uh, being the amazing person that he is. He was like, yeah, great, let's do it. Uh, and uh, but then we didn't do it because you know life you know we're all yeah. super busy. But actually now it's it is an experiment that I still want to run with uh, someone with myself. But you know I, it's easier to say right that that page is is ugly. But and again, what does ugly mean? What is ugly to yeah, me? A page that is it is subjective. And to me, a page that's I think one strength to understanding. What I mean by design is that if you show me a page that I that you say, okay, this is an ugly page, and I, I look at it and I, I probably shudder internally in my you know aesthetical sense. I, I'm an art historian after all. That's where I started, you know, life mm-hmm. with training. I am a trained art historian. So I see that and I will shudder internally because I think, oh my God, it's so ugly. But then I'll be able to tell you, okay. So the alignment is wrong and that makes it inaccessible because people with dyslexia won't be able to read it. Please avoid title case, um, I mean, uh, capitalizing the word in every sentence because that, again, is difficult for people with dyslexia to read. And web readers, we have problems. Uh, Please don't use all caps, again, for screen readers will have problems and therefore people who can't read your, see your screen won't buy your product because uh, when you use all caps, a screen reader will, will spell it out. So it will spell instead of design, it will spell, spell out D E S I G N. That's not what you want, is it? So maybe someone who was about to buy your product won't buy your product. So I won't tell you this is ugly. I will, you won't hear it from me. And my point is those super high converting ugly pages, ugly in inverted commas, let's let's do the UI review that that Joe did on, on my friend's plugins page or that I, I do lots of reviews as well. In fact, it's my favorite thing because it's such an easy, quick win. Let's, let's go through that and see what, what changes. You know, that's what I did with Jan Cox page. I, I just, I thought internally, I thought, yeah, this is really not necessarily terribly ugly, but it just, it has no aesthetic value. That was not my comment. My comment was, if you do this, I think that you'll convert more. And you know what? I was right. I just wish I could do it with my own pages. I need other people's, <laughs> other people's always, yeah. eye on mine. But yeah. Well, you know. So that's I, the thing. That, that's, does that answer it? Do you, do you no, I, answer I, your question? It, it does. And you know what's funny is because the other thing that I was thinking of as you were explaining that is 
you know, I'm specifically thinking of uh, a copywriter whose pages kind of look stuck in years ago. At the same time, he's got a huge audience and he's a copywriter. So there's, you know, that there are a lot of people. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm saying so that person, you could probably take the exact same copy, I bet you, and put it to an unknown person that doesn't have as big of an audience. And it may not convert as well, because there's a lot of other factors that are going to go into that. There's a trust factor. There's a uh, proven record that this person provides value, etc. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that there, there are so many factors that it's not as clear cut as, quote unquote, ugly versus nicely designed. So can I ask you, is that Neville Medora that you're thinking about? No, it's actually thinking of Ben Settle. Okay, because the copywriting course is a fantastic. Uh, I love Neville's brilliant. copy. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant, and it, it's the stick people that he uses are really ugly, but I love mm-hmm. them because it's a style. And um, I mean, I'm looking at his page now. Learn how to write like you speak and sell like hell. I mean, who's not gonna? But his form is completely. Sorry, it's not the guy you were thinking about, but it's similar. And his form is completely accessible, super big, super big text size. So he's doing it right. He's totally doing it right. Well, yeah. And it's, but, but it's ugly. But it's ugly. <laughs> it's ugly. And I, and I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> well, I would never say. But, yeah. but I think it's ugly, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because I would buy this. I mean, I will Do, buy it. One you know day. what? Yeah, his ditto. And it's funny because same thing where you look at here's his site looks dated even, but he doesn't care. To me, it looks dated, you know, but it's at the same time, he's a great copywriter. He's super engaging to listen to and to watch. His content is phenomenal. So I think it's fascinating. And to your point, then, and I always, you know, tell people like, pull it up on your phone. I think that's one of the reasons I am obsessed with newsletters too, is because they're so easy to consume on a phone to, and it's consuming different types of content, mm-hmm. not just an email as an example, but it's, they're super accessible to read and consume. And, and I am really one of those people that I do bounce. If stuff looks ugly, I have a tendency to. Um, and so you have to have it look good as well. Um, <clears throat> okay. So I, we're kind of, we're, where are we at with time? Let me just confirm. All right. So You've got a lot of speakers for this event. So tell me how you went about selecting the speakers. And you've already mentioned a few. I know you've got, um, you know, some people that really focus on content for big companies too. So, you know, whatever you want to share in terms of how you selected the speakers and what they're going to provide would be fantastic. Yes. So my first choice was Jonah Tolley because I have been his fan for a really long time. And he's someone who is so about putting people at the center, doing things to help people out. So he was my first choice and he said, yes. So that was great. <laughs> really mm-hmm. exciting. And that, cause that sort of immediately, cause he's so well known. So that immediately puts your, uh, the whole thing on a, on a, on a different level. But I knew that he would completely, but, but that's why he liked it. He liked my concept of design for conversions, of teaching people that design is about helping people out. And by helping people out, you will make more money and make your clients make more money. And bearing this in mind, then I looked for, I really wanted to talk about content and uh, I wanted to um 
talk to Andrea Zolna because she is a content expert and, and copy expert. So she, I'd seen, I'd met her at various conferences that she did really wonderful talks on microcopy, the UX of copy and so on, and found out that she was a now head of growth at Kinsta. Wow, double whammy, because then I said, yeah, why don't you sponsor the conference? And they did, so that's great. And then I went, in terms of sponsors, I went to companies that I liked and whose ethos I uh, I can align with, because to me that's extremely, extremely important. And um, then accessibility was very important to me. So I bought a great book on accessibility and I thought I really would love the author of this book to please speak at the conference because I love her take and uh, I really like her a lot. So that's Regine um, Gilbert and she's speaking at a conference for that reason. So very, extremely grateful again that she said yes. And she does an extremely good job, I think, of... Mm making accessibility about us. It's about everyone. It's not about you making things easier for other people. You must also think of yourself in the future. It's like me 12 years ago could never have guessed that one day I could not stand a black background. My designs were done with a black background. I loved it. So, but then now I can't read it so well. So you actually designing for your own future self. Then also, um, I'm talking to uh, another a disabled um, champion, disability champion, Ezzy Hardy, who talks about how to make forms accessible, how to make sure, you know, contact forms are the most normal uh, sort of run-of-the-mill way of interacting with our audience that we have. Everybody, you know, as you were saying, even a brochure website will have a contact form. Are you sure that everybody can fill it in? You know, there's, it's so easy to create friction in a form. For instance, what if you ask for a surname, but people don't have a surname? Have you thought about that? That Not everybody in the whole world has a surname. I've got bugbears in forms. It's like when they say, you know, Mrs. or, or Ms. And I'm like, I'm neither. I'm not a Ms. I'm not a Mrs. You know, I'm, why Why do you need this? You don't need yeah. it. Yeah. So that was something else. And then... um Andy Welfley and Michael Metz, they're the author of a book called Writing is Designing. And to me, it all feeds into the same thing that we sell with words, you know, and you to teach me, Kim, that we sell with words and we design with words. Content is absolutely essential. So I really wanted them to come and talk to us and they, and they are. And then also from a business point of view, uh, there's Brent Weaver, who's a design is who's a business guru you know he he runs a huge program called you gurus that teaches agencies how to be profitable and have a nice life and he's talking about the hidden cost of bad design because he told me in our conversations that he's seen it happen it has happened to him personally because he's not a designer and he's seen it happen to so many other agencies that design can actually if not understood or treated properly, be a way that you lose money and therefore you need to to understand it. And then I did something else that I uh, quite love. I I got uh, Webflow to sponsor the conference. Now, Webflow, for those who don't know, is a CMS. It's a web building tool. 
and it, but it has uh, the tool that it, it has a, an interface that's completely what you see is what you get and it's extremely easy to use apparently it's got a fantastic ux i haven't i have to confess i haven't quite tried it yet but i thought that it would be a great company to sponsor a ux conference and they're particularly i think interested in the fact that i'm known in the wordpress world because i've i've spoken at so many conferences and so on and so dave our friend dave foy is talking on the webflow panel because i don't know if you know but he's you know jumped ship he uh dave foy for those yeah i know so he's now dave foy who who became famous thanks to his great course no stress wordpress teaching people how to use wordpress is now preparing a course on that's called from WordPress to Webflow. <laughs> so I thought this will be really, really interesting because his point is all about how the UX of Webflow is much better than the UX of, of WordPress. And because I think that tools are tools. You know, we use WordPress today, but maybe someone else uses ClickFunnels or you can use, you know, StoryBlock. Other StoryBlock are also sponsors, which is interesting. So a tool is a tool, and I think that actually agencies and freelancers and, and anybody who builds sites, we need to know what tool best suits a client because there can be clients for whom, you know, Shopify is the best option and not WooCommerce or, you know, Webflow instead of WordPress. Or I'm not saying Wix because I don't, really don't think that Wix is a good tool at all. With everything that, that's available, I would never use Wix, but, you know, but maybe Squarespace. So... I think it's a very, very interesting, the panel for that is going to be really, really interesting. I'm very much looking forward to, to, to it. And then obviously Cloudways, how could I not mention Cloudways? Because with Cloudways, that I work with Cloudways, as I said at the beginning, and I led the UX side of a big project, which is called the Agency Partnership Program. And it's a program for agencies to become sort of partners. Basically, you get lots of advantages but it's more than that. They really want for Cloudways to become a partner in the growth of the agency, not just a hosting platform provider. And what I loved about the project was that it was entirely built on the needs and problems of the user. There was zero thought given to the eventual rewards that the company would reap because obviously it is going to happen you can't do it if it's going to just lose you money you can't do it it's going to make you money at some point but the 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 making money is built in a way that starts entirely from just working in the interest of the consumer of the client and i thought that was such an amazing way of proving it and also showing how the uh, UX process works. And you, I think you asked earlier, how does it start? And basically the simplest thing is it starts from research. That's what we've been saying. Get to know your user and get to know what they need and research. Because very interestingly, Cloudways tried to launch a similar program years ago and it, it fell flat on its face because they didn't do enough research that didn't empathize enough with their target audience for their product. So, um, sorry, I have been on a rant for quite a while now. Um, and I think I've said everything, more or less. There's I more speakers, but there's more, yeah. there's more. There's more to it, but then I don't want to absolutely overwhelm everyone. 
Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's let's wrap this up. This has been delightful. Where can people sign up? First of all, to attend live, it's completely free, and there's a great deal for the All Access Pass. So where should they go to sign up for the event? They should go to designforconversions.com forward slash registration. That's easy peasy. All right. And I will have the links in the show nights, show notes, guys. So Picha, this has been delightful. I cannot wait for the event. So thank you as always. I'm excited for you. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Again, guys, you do not have to be a designer or create websites. This is for anybody who wants to increase conversions with what you're doing online. I I think that's, I'm going to really dummy it down, but you know, your website, your email, your content, your social, really, really coming from that perspective of making it easier for your audience, your customers, subscribers to move further down the path and engage with whatever it is you're offering or selling. That was my dummy down version. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. You're so welcome, Picha. Thank you.